Welcome to Restoration Church. At Restoration, we focus on reaching the lost, reviving their lives with the gift of salvation through Jesus Christ, and restoring hearts, minds, relationships through the power of the gospel. We are a church equipping and empowering the body of Christ to reach their full potential in Christ. We are led by Pastor Rex and Jennifer Hare. We hope you are encouraged by this morning's sermon. Some of us found out at 6.30 comes two times a day this morning, right? I just wanted to say a quick thank you. Uh, I know this is for people that know me and our church folks know me, that me being brief is not an option, right? But I, right? No, no AMs and no nothing, so I guess everybody's still asleep. Uh, but I'm going to do my best to be brief for the Lord's help this morning. Um, but on a day like today, uh, Jesus, as well as every day, uh, Lloyd made a statement a while ago that really stuck, stuck home to me and something I preached about last Sunday. You know, the Jewish calendar has 360 days in it. We, we have 365 days in our calendar. But Lloyd said they got 362 homes yesterday. Walking. And he talked about the significance while they were walking yesterday, they messaged me and they asked me the question. They said, How many miles did Jesus walk to talk to the Samaritan woman? And I said, It was with Bible theologians say between 21 and 22 miles that Jesus walked to meet the woman at the well to change her life and the lives of others around her forever. Because we remember the story about the woman at the well. She not only her life was changed, but she began to tell everybody she knew and people that she didn't everybody that she met about Jesus. She said, come let me tell you about a man that's told me everything I've ever done. Come let me tell you about a man that found me in the brokenness of my relationships and my life and changed my life. So would you agree with me today that every day, whether it's 360, 362, 365 days a year, Jesus deserves our praise and worship. He does. He deserves everything we give because he gave his very best. So we can have life. And not only is, as the apostle said, not only have life, but we can have it to the full. Amen? Right. Have it to the full. So what a beautiful crowd for 630. I think we're going to start having church every Sunday at 630. <laughs> That's a joke. I'm going to kind of get behind the pulpit again. Uh, I, I'll be honest with you, I like it better at 1030. Yes. Amen. Yeah. Yeah. Amen. 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 I knew that. Thank y'all for waking up. Amen. Um, we do have some, some muffins and, and things and down in the fellowship hall for after service. We will do, we do, we'll do communion at the end this morning. So today I wanted to talk to you for a few minutes. I wanted to thank everybody before I forget about it personally for what happened here yesterday. We've been really focusing this year like on outreach in our church. We did that at Candy. How many know that we made an impact at Candy Hill a couple weeks ago? We made an impact yesterday. Jennifer and I were estimating yesterday after everybody left and all the smoke we were standing here in the parking lot just thanking God for all the things that he's done and rejoicing together. Uh, how many remember where we used to be? And how many is believing to see where we're going now? And we give God all honor and glory and praise, but Boyd said it was probably 80-something. We counted like 82 or 88 people here at one time yesterday. That was probably more like 150, 160. So uh, we had a lot of families, a lot of children. Did it do your heart good to see all these kids on the campus yesterday and enjoy it? 
And there's always learning points, things that we'll know to do better next year. Because we didn't have a clue how many people were going to show up on Easter. Because you know all the other churches around us are having things. But it, it did my heart good to see everybody work and just chip in and, and, and make it happen yesterday. And uh, we just wanted to say again, thank you for what you do for the church every week. It's because of your faithfulness and giving that we're able to do outreach, that we've been able to remodel sanctuaries and fix and read. I, I know the ladies are going to get excited about this. In the next few weeks, we're going to remodel this bathroom out here. Come on, ladies. And uh, we're going to remodel the bathroom downstairs. We're also fixing the God willing, fix the parking lot mm -hmm. and redo the landscape in the front. So before long, it's going to look like a totally different church. Amen. Amen. But I wanted to talk to you for a few minutes about the subject of Jesus, of course, and the empty tomb. How many of us know today, because of the empty tomb, we can live full lives? Because of the sacrifice of what Jesus did on the cross, because of that empty tomb, the significance of that, we have a full life together. How many of us are thankful that you live in America and you have freedom? Yes. You have religious freedom. Do you know that there's people today that want to take that away from you? Do you know there's people today that are working even now to take away your freedom? But do you know you have a God that sits at the right hand of the Father this morning? His name is Jesus. And that he is on our side and he is fighting for us and he is good today. So today, I want us to bow. If you'll stand with us one more time, I promise you I'm going to be brief. Don't nobody go anywhere. We'll have communion at the end of the service. We decided then it was 32 degrees this morning. Uh, that the, some of you ladies that are cold and would, would like communion better even on the inside get a little bit more comfortable. So, uh, we're going to, we're going to pray together. Our Father, we love you today and we thank you for your goodness and to us, God, and how you blessed us. We thank you, Father, for everything that's been accomplished this weekend for your kingdom. And we pray today, our prayer humbly is this, God, for Jesus, that you may get all honor and all glory for everything we do, that we won't put a feather in our cap, God, but your kingdom would be glorified and your name would be magnified. You said, if I be lifted up, I'll draw all men unto me. God, we praise you for that. I praise you for every person that's watching on our live stream and every person that's in this building today. I pray that the power and resurrection power of your Holy Spirit would challenge and change us all today. And Lord, we honor you and we worship you. We pray that after we leave this place today, that you would go with us and that you would keep us and that you would strengthen us and you would help us to be evangelists for you and to further your kingdom. We give you all honor. I ask you to use us for the preaching and teaching of your word. And may everything bring you glory and honor. And all the church said, amen. 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 You can be seated. Today we're going to be reading from Acts. I'm going to talk to you about an empty tomb and a full life. I'm going to try to move through this as quickly as, as I possibly can. There's one thing I've learned about old preachers. Old preachers are generally pretty long-winded. So I have now a good excuse to be long-winded, Brian. You know how? I'm fixing to be a granddaddy in about two months. You know, granddaddies, everybody knows that they move a little slower than the other ones, right? Come on, Poppies. We move a little slower than the other ones. But you know, we have a good excuse for that. We're getting older, right? But, you know, how many of us know that getting older beats the other alternative, not getting older? Right? A couple of y'all catch that as it mounts off the back wall. But we're so thankful for the goodness of God. Today, I want to talk to us out of Acts chapter 2. And this is, this is, this is coming from the Apostle Peter. And Peter, anybody know the, the setting of this? Apostle Peter is about to get ready to preach 
under the anointing that the Holy Spirit has just fell on the church in the upper room, and the Apostle Peter's getting ready to preach, and about and, and about three thousand people are about to be converted into Christianity because of what Apostle Peter preaches. Let's read the scripture today. Acts two verses twenty-two through thirty-two. Men of Israel, listen to this. Jesus of Nazareth, a man created, accredited by God, to you by miracles, wonders, and signs, which God did among you through him, as you yourselves know. This man was handed over to you by God's set purpose and knowledge, and foreknowledge, and you, with the help of wicked men, but him to the death of nailing him to the cross. But God raised him from the dead, freeing him from the agony of death, because it is impossible for death to keep its hold on him. Amen. David said about him, I saw the Lord always before me because he is at my right hand. I will not be shaken. Therefore, my heart is glad and my tongue rejoices. My body also will live in hope because you will not abandon me to the grave, nor will you let your Holy One see you dead. You will have you will have you have made known to the path the, to me the path of life. You will fill me with joy in your presence, brothers. I can tell you confidently that the patriarch David died and was buried, and in his tomb is here to this day. But he was a prophet, and he knew that God had promised him an oath that he would place one of his descendants on his throne. Seeing what was ahead. He spoke of the resurrection of Christ, that he was not abandoned to the grave, nor did his body see decay. And verse 32 says, God has raised this Jesus to life, and we are all witnesses to this fact. How many are thankful today that you know in your heart that Jesus is risen today? Amen. Amen. Let's give him a hand clap of praise for Now, this is the Apostle Peter's account of what David said. Now, the Apostle Peter is actually quoting Psalm 16 here. He is quoting the words of David that he is not going to leave me without a Savior. And I want to talk to us just for a few moments today. You've got some of you guys are probably going to be really ecstatic that I'm so brief. And y'all know that I usually close three to four times, so we're going to try to cut it down to two today, okay? <laughs> two closes today from three to four. So, we understand that Jesus Christ himself was given by God to give us salvation, right? The Bible says in John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him would have life and have it more abundantly, could have life and have it to the full, amen? So for God so loved the world that whosoever believes in him would not perish but have eternal life. How many of us know today because of what Jesus done we don't have to pay the price for it. It's like going to the grocery store, store, ladies, and you're about to pay for a couple of hundred dollars worth of groceries, and all of a sudden somebody wants to pay it forward and say, I'm going to pay their grocery bill today. Amen. Can I tell you that's what Jesus Christ did for us when it comes to eternal life? He paid the price so we can have it. We don't have to pay the price for that. He's already been paid in full. The Bible tells us when Jesus was about to give up the ghost, he said these words in Arabic and Hebrew and in, in his native tongue. He said, Lord, it is finished. Into your hands, I, Father, into your hands, I commit my spirit. Those words, the significance of those words is that we will no longer have to go get a lamb or, or, 
or animal or dove and sacrifice that, but Jesus became the sacrifice. The Bible says that he didn't do no sin, became sin for me. What does that mean, Pastor Rex? That means simply this. If I fail 490 times a day, if I fail 4.9 times a day, if I fail 49 times a day, the grace of Jesus Christ covers my sin. Amen. That's something to be excited about. It's not a one-time thing. And you say, well, Pastor Rex, there's things in my life that I struggle with. You and everybody else in the world. And I'm not trying to minimize our struggles today. But what I am trying today is glorified and glory in the fact and give him praise that Jesus Christ paid the price for us to have life to the full. Amen? Amen. Amen. He paid the price for us to have life to the full. You know, in those times, they didn't really understand what was going on. Even his disciples didn't understand the magnitude of Jesus dying on the cross. He didn't, they didn't understand really what was going on. But how many of us know that God don't have backup plans? Anybody ever had a backup plan? Come on, me and Jennifer talk about this all the time. We'll say, well, we're going to do this, but if that don't work, we're going to have plan B. Anybody have heard of plan B? Can I tell you today, the Father in heaven at the foundations of the earth knew that men would fall, yet he loved us anyway, and his plan A was Jesus. His plan B was Jesus. His plan C was Jesus. And his plan D, E, F, G was Jesus. Come on. I know y'all ready to go home and, and take your nap now. But I'm, I may not preach long today, but I'm going to preach strong today. His plan was always Jesus. The Bible said he was slain from the foundations of the earth. The Bible tells me, Chance, that Jesus didn't have to have a backup plan. He was the plan. That's the reason scripture tells us that he that knew no sin became sin for us. That his grace covers all of our sin. How many of us know that mercy is important in our lives? Yeah. Anybody ever had to have mercy on somebody that wronged you? Somebody that did something yeah. to you? Everybody under the sound of my voice, somebody has hurt you before. But when you think about holding a grudge against that person, think about what Jesus felt when they spat in his face. When they took that cat of nine tails and they beat him 39 times. The reason they didn't beat him 40 or more because it was against Roman law to beat him. And, and a lot of people say, well, he just whipped with a whip. No, the Bible says the cat of nine tails literally had steel and glass and chunks of metal in that whip. It literally ripped the flesh from his backside, the Bible, from his back, his back. In his backside, the Bible tells us that he was beaten unrecognizably because of the swelling and the anguish that he took. Can I tell you today, church, should that stir us? Yes, that should stir me. Should that moment, should that charge me to be an evangelist? Yes, because of what Jesus did for me. You say, well, Pastor Rex, I don't have a theology degree. I don't know. Do you know John 3.16? If you know John 3.16, Jesus, and you know Jesus as your Savior, you are evangelists today. You are called to finish the Great Commission. And there's never been a stronger charge in my heart and in mind in today and in my life is to finish the Great Commission. To finish the Great Commission. We need to finish. And you say, what is the Great Commission? Go you into all the all the world, preaching the gospel, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son of the Holy Spirit. Isn't that what Jesus charged his disciples before he left? Yes. He didn't tell them, he did tell them that I'm coming back. He didn't tell them everything's going to be okay. He said, go preach. He said, go tell them the good news. So Paul is telling him, the reason that Jesus died is because God had a plan to put him there. 
he tells them, he goes on to say, hey, the reason that he's dead and the reason he went to the cross or the reason that he's alive now, but the reason he went to the cross and went to the tomb for three days is because God planned to put him there. It was God's plan. It was God's plan for him to be there. It was God's plan for him to be the sacrifice. Jesus said himself in John chapter 10 and verse 18, he says, no man takes my life, but I lay it down. Let me tell you something. They were in the army in Rome. They were in the army on the face of the earth. If Jesus didn't want to go to the cross, he could have called 10,000 angels if he wanted to, and he could have defeated those Romans in that time if he wanted to. But God so loved us so much that his son was going. And you say, well, Pastor Rex, what's the significance of prayer in my life? Let me tell you today, the battle of Golgotha was not won on Golgotha. The battle of Golgotha was won in Gethsemane when he was in there praying by himself. Anybody ever been by himself? Anybody ever been when you think there's nobody around you that cares about what you're going through? Can I tell you, when you're at your lowest of lows, you've never been closer to Jesus. When you're at the end of your rope, you've never been closer to Jesus. When you've failed a million times, you've never been closer to Jesus. The Bible tells us he's close to the brokenhearted and to the lowly and the contrite. And he will not cast away or put away a contrite spirit. You say, well, Pastor Rex, you're, you're preaching a feel-good message, but we should have a feel-good story, church. People don't want to hear bad news today. They want to hear the good news. They want to hear that somebody can change their life and somebody can save them, David, and somebody can help them out of the mess they're in. You'll never hate somebody into Christianity, but you can love them there. That's the reason the Apostle Paul said in 1 Corinthians 13, he says, all the gifts of the Spirit are going to cease one day. But in the end, faith, hope, and love remain. And then he said, but the greatest of these is love. So if I could tell you anything today that Jesus showed on that place of the skull, does anybody know the significance of the hill called Golgotha where Jesus' cross was placed? Was the place where David buried the skull of Golgotha. Of, of Goliath. That's where the place of the skull. That's the reason they call it the place of the skull. They, anybody remember the story of David? David gathering the smooth stones and the slingshot and defeating the giant of his life. And David buried the skull. Anybody remember the story when David, I'm going somewhere with this. Anybody remember the story when David told God, Goliath, I'm going to kill you and I'm going to cut your head off and I'm going to beat it to the birds? Isn't that what he said? Anybody remember that story? But you know from the lineage of David that Jesus would come. And the promise of the prophet in, to David was that the Savior and the Messiah would come from his lineage. That he would come from the lineage of David. So David killed Goliath. And how ironic, it's not ironic, it's the word of God. That Jesus would die at the hill for the place of the skull. Paul Golgotha. The place where the battle begins with the place where the battle would end. And the church had just been launched and Peter was telling them, listen, everything that's happening is because of the battle that's been ongoing. And the battle is now over as far as salvation goes. So Peter is telling the story. Peter goes and says, hey, you want to know who, we want to know who put Jesus on the cross 
I remember this guy named Judas. Nobody likes Judas, do they? I remember years ago, we were on the road singing. Some of you don't think this is funny. But we were on the road, had a band, was on the road singing, and the secretary of the church walked up to me one night, and she says, are you Judas? I looked at her like, this lady has lost her mind. She said, are you the man that takes the money? She was trying to give us the offering of the agreement that we had to sing there that night. And I said, well, I guess I am Judas today, man. Because we got to buy gas when we leave her and get out of the room. That's funny, but everybody looks at Judas and everybody thinks of Judas as the one who betrayed Jesus. But you know that Jesus chose Judas like he chose the other 11. That's right. And the grace that was extended to John and Luke and Matthias and all of his disciples was extended to Judas. Jesus saw something in Judas that made him one of the 12. But Judas made a choice. So the fact of the matter is today, all of us make a choice, right? Jesus don't make us do anything. How many of you young people like for your parents to tell you what to do? I'm going to probably get no hands raised. See if you guys are willing, some, willing to do something this afternoon, you're going to raise your hands to get some points, right? None of us like for our parents to tell us what to do. But when it comes to salvation, Jesus don't tell us what to do. He just offers the free gift. He don't force us. He don't make us do anything that we don't want to do. It's a free gift. And to the one that's under the sound of my voice, whether you're listening online or you're in service here today, hear what I'm saying. You don't have to get good enough to come to Jesus. He got good enough to come to you. Because of the sacrifice that he made on Golgotha, He's good enough. And every sin, you want to know who put Jesus on the cross? When you look in the mirror, your sin put Jesus on the cross. At my best, Lily, I put Jesus on the cross. That's the reason the Bible says that he that knew no sin became sin for us. He was becoming sin. It wasn't the cat of nine tails. It wasn't the spear poked in his side. It wasn't the crown of thorns on his head. It was our sin that he was carrying up that year. It was our sin. You say, well, pastor, that makes me feel bad. That don't make me feel bad, that bad, church. That makes me feel good because he that knew no sin was becoming sin for us. I couldn't fix it. There was a gap. There was a, a void between me and God. But Jesus built a bridge from us on earth to heaven. Amen? Yeah. Jesus is the bridge to that. He is the bridge. So Peter tells the story in his own words. He says, you want to know who put him there? It wasn't really Judas. It was all of you. Matter of fact, how many know that Peter calls him out? He said, you put him on the cross. You yelled, crucify him. Remember this name, this guy Barabbas that was a known criminal, murderer, and thief? They released him, which was Jewish custom, and they crucified Jesus. They released the guilty and crucified the unguilty. But he really was guilty because, Brian, he was becoming sin for me. That's the reason he cried out from the cross just a little while before he would give up the ghost. The Bible said, my God... My God, why have you forsaken me? Because our God is so holy that he could not look at sin, but God had to turn his back 
because he's too holy to look at sin. But when Jesus said, hallelujah, that it is finished, our God turned his face straightway to Jesus. Because he had become sin for us. He had become sin for us and he had been, the Bible says the, tail, the veil of the temple was rent and he had become and completed the plan of salvation. Jesus was falsely accused by Pilate and the people. How many remember the mob that falsely accused him when he was in the judgment hall? How many remember when Peter that's preaching? I remember the story of Peter, right? Peter's preaching and thousands of fiction accept Jesus as their Lord and Savior. But a few weeks earlier, Peter had denied Jesus three times and even used foul language in the process. Remember that? But Jesus didn't see Peter where he was that night trying to warn by a campfire. Jesus saw Peter where he would be standing there preaching the gospel. And that's where Jesus sees us today. He don't see us in our brokenness and the beat down and the lowly brokenhearted. He sees us where we're moving. He don't see us in the addictions and the strongholds of our life. He sees us where we will be. He sees what we will be. And you say, well, Pastor Rich, why do you always say that God's going to build a church here in Lakeview? Why do you always say that God's going to have a harvest here in Lakeview? Because his word promises that. If I'm doing the Great Commission, his promise is 100% for my plan to be successful because it's his plan. And as long as I follow his plan, my plans are going to be successful. How many of you wanted, when you were kids, you wanted to be a certain thing? You know, when I was a kid, I used to say, I'm going to be a mechanic. After I busted my knuckles a few times working with my brother on cars, I decided I didn't want to be a camp mechanic. Then I wanted to be a football coach. But I had to go to school to go football, to be a football coach. So I didn't get to be a football coach. The thing that I said that I didn't want to be at was a preacher. God has a sense of humor. How many of us know as the years go by, we become things that we say we're going to be? The happiest know when we submit our lives to Jesus Christ, we become things we said we weren't going to be, but we're becoming what is beautiful in Jesus' eyes because we're becoming what he wants us to be. And the truth of the story is today that none of us are worthy of it, but we don't have to be. Because of what Jesus did on the cross, we don't have to be good enough. Are you thankful for that today? When you messed up a million times, the truth is, I don't have to be good enough. How many of you ever looked in the mirror and said something to yourself like, you loser? Anybody ever said, Rex? I did it this morning. I was shaving about cutting my lip off this morning. I was like, Rex, what are you doing? And Rex didn't talk back to himself. He just made sure he didn't cut his lip off, right? Many of you ever done that? You ever do something to say, Jason, Karen, because we're disgusted with ourselves. Now, Karen says that to Jason. Jason, right. I'm talking about to ourselves, not to your husband and wife. We're going to get some clarity there to freedom. But we get down on ourselves. But Jesus will never get down. The Bible says that his grace is sufficient for every need in our life. And if you don't hear anything else I say today, I don't care how many times you mess up because the blood of Jesus Christ covers all of our sins. 
And it's full and free. The Bible tells us in the Old Testament that his mercies are made new every morning. How many like to watch the sunrise? That's the reason we got everybody up early and that's everybody's taking their little yeah. naps. Y'all, some of y'all about to hit the seventh inning stretch and take your little stretch. But here is, there's nothing more beautiful than a sunrise when that sun is coming up over that hill and it's a new day. Did you know that every day that sun comes up, God's got new mercies for you? Not because I said it, but because the Word said it. We'll read this scripture and we're done. John chapter 20, verses 2 through 10. John chapter 20, verses 2 through 10. Now this is the scene at the uh, this is the scene at the tomb. Jesus goes to the tomb, and I mean, excuse me, they go to the tomb, and all of a sudden they find that Jesus is not there. I'm gonna paraphrase real quick. But they find the grave clothes. Let's read it here. John 20, chapter 2. Thank you, Bree. You're so awesome. Y'all give Bree a good hand. Don't you do a wonderful job? He has to read the pastor's mind every morning. Amen. Every Sunday morning. Thank you, Bree. She so he she came running to the tomb to Simon and Peter and the other disciple, the one that Jesus loved, and said, They have taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we don't know where they have put him. Next verse, so Peter and the other disciples started from the tomb. Both were running, both the other side, both, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. He bent over and looked in the tomb and looked in at the strips of linen lying there, but did not go in. Then Simon Peter was behind him arrived and went into the tomb. He saw the strips of linen lying there, as, a, as well as a burial cloth that had been Around Jesus' head, the cloth was folded up by itself, separate from the linen. Remember that part. Finally, the other disciple who had reached the tomb first also went in. He saw and believed. They still did not understand from Scripture that Jesus had to rise from the dead. Then the disciples went back to their homes. Now the significance of great clothes there laying in that tomb. The significance of the grave clothes is because how many of us know that Joseph of Arimathea was the one Jesus borrowed the tomb from? Why did not Jesus, the Father, have a plan for Jesus to have his own tomb? Because he knew he wasn't going to need it for three days. You don't go buy something that you're not going to need. You're going to go borrow it if you're going to bring it back. Anybody ever borrowed something from back and then forget a year, remember a year later that you didn't take it back? Tool shed. Yeah, my dad used to do that all the time. My father-in-law to this day is still looking in my tool shed for his tools. Thirty years down the road. But they come to the tomb and, they, and I'm almost done. And they see the grave clothes laying there. And they see that there's no Jesus there because he is risen. And they don't quite understand what's going on around them. Then they notice something. And they pointed it out in verse 7. That the covering or the napkin, they call it, that had covered his head when they put buried people in those days, they were wrapped their body, body, of course, they would cover their face. But the napkin that had covered Jesus' head was not balled up like the other linens, but it was folded. It was Jewish custom. If you were eating a meal at somebody's house, 
you were not finished. You would fold your napkin to let those who were serving you know you're coming back. The significance of Jesus folding the napkin before he left the tomb is to let everybody know that would ever read this scripture that he's coming back. And I tell you today, church, look around you. This world's falling apart. But you know something? Jesus is about to come back. That's the truth. And he's coming for a church without spot or wrinkle. And David, the reason he folded the napkin up because he's got work still to do here. Right. He's coming back. And he knew that those that knew Jewish culture would know if the tile, if the napkin or the tile was folded was mean that he's not done. Right. Yeah. Can I tell you today, we get down and out and we turn on the news and we see the things and the way they're happening in America and this pandemic we've all had to walk through. Amen. I, you know what I'm thankful for? You know what we were doing last Easter? Anybody remember? Number one, we had the sanctuary torn out. We had walls and no carpet, and we were in a process. You want to talk about a pastor sweating bullets? Do a remodel of a pandemic. You don't know who you're going to have after it's over. But you know what he was doing the whole time? He just folded his napkin and laid it He wasn't done. You know, the truth of the matter is, church, he's not done with you. He folded a napkin and laid it in the tomb to let you know that he's not done with you. He's coming back. And the significance of the message of Jesus Christ is simply this, that he's coming back to a church without spot or wrinkle. And you say, well, pastor, I'm not good enough to be a part of that church without spot or wrinkle. Well, I got some good news for you. Because of the blood of Jesus Christ, he makes you perfect. You are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Amen. I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. When the Father looks at me today, he don't look at wretched, broken wrecks with problems a mile wide. He looks at the blood of Jesus Christ and he says, that's my child. Amen. Amen. And you say, that's the good news. The good news is the towel or the napkin was folded because it's coming back. And the significance is, is simply this. Romans tells us that whosoever believes on the name of the Lord, he shall be saved. How do I come to know Jesus if I don't know him today? How do I find mercies new every morning? I ask him, Lord. I tell him where my problems are. I confess them. I receive the free gift of his grace and I keep walking. And I realize who I am in Christ Jesus. So they left that tomb that day. They said they went home. They left that tomb that day had a different perspective. How many of us know the first one to the tomb? Anybody know who the first one to the tomb was? Mary. Mary. Anybody remember what Mary used to be before Jesus met her? A prostitute. Why did Jesus allow a prostitute or the former prostitute to see his empty tomb first? Because he wanted them to know he died for them. The significance is, is that Mary followed him into his death 
she was converted and so changed by the message and the love of Jesus Christ that she got to, not his disciples, she got to see the empty tomb first. The angel would say, why seek you to live among the dead for Jesus is risen? Can I tell you today, his answer and his call to us today as a church is simply this. It's go time. My brother preached that several weeks ago. It's go time. It's not time to sit on our laurels and to get about and, and concentrate on all of our problems. It's time for us to remind our problems how big our God is. It's time for us to remind our world that there's an answer. You know what we were doing yesterday? Reminding our world that there's a people that still care about them. You said, well, Pastor Rex, it's a cold bottle of water. It's an Easter egg hunt. And it's a, and it's a, a, a slice of Little Caesar's pizza. You know how many people have been converted over a Little Caesar's slice of pizza? But Jesus says, if you give such as a cup of cold water in my name, under these you've done it to me. It's not so much in how we do, but the motive behind why we do it. Right. So the reason he gave, the reason he left the napkin folded up, and the reason Peter left the person who denied Jesus three times to the one that would preach and thousands come to know the Lord, to the one that was so full of the power of God that his shadow healed people. Y'all remember that? Peter and John walking by the man and he, their shadow hit him and he, they were healed. That's how full of the power of God. You talk about Jesus changing somebody's life, look at Peter. That's the reason Peter can stand and say, hey, you're the one that put him on the cross, but I did too. But look what he's going to do. The truth is, church, it's go time. Because of the empty tomb, amen, amen. we have a full life. The day you're going to enjoy with your family today, the big fat nap you're going to take when you get home, is because Jesus gives you that gift. Right. When I get up every morning and I see my beautiful wife and I'm able to go to work every day and I'm able to turn the radio on and I hear songs like you make your mercies new every day. Right. And I breathe that air. I know that I'm not left here without any hope mm. but I'm on my way to heaven. Right. Right. How many wants to take somebody with you? Yes. Yeah. So it's go time church. Right. I tell people all the time, you don't have to have a Bible degree. I've been to Bible school. I've read the Bible from front to back. It's good that you would do that you would study the Bible. The Bible says study to show yourself approved. Right. But what we have to have is a heart for Jesus. Mm -hmm. To want what he wants more than what I want. Because right. I found over the years, Miss Marianne, that what I want most of the time is not what he wants. Right. And the more I want what he wants, the less I become like me and the more I become like him. Mm. Let's pray together. Father, we love you and we honor you. And we thank you for your grace, God. It's so good to us. And your mercy is so good to us, Lord. And without it, we couldn't have life. And we thank you for that today. We thank you for your grace today. We thank you for that today. We thank you for your blood that was shed for us. We thank you for your body that was broken for us, Lord. We thank you for that. Because you live, Lord, we will live also. Amen.